If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Will you pray with me? Holy One, there are a lot of us who are having a moment. We have spent what feels like half a century led by a man with an overactive Twitter account holding the keys to the country's nuclear weapons. And now, now there is a new administration and they have made some big promises. And oh my, the excitement is real. The Apostle Paul reminds us though that we have always had a tendency to misplace our devotion when it comes to those who lead Each of you, he wrote, says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas. It seems the church had forgotten that it was Jesus who proclaimed the good news to the poor, who declared the kingdom of heaven come near, who empowered us to sing, wear thy victory, O grave. Not anyone else. We know the temptation especially after this long season of fear and grief. It would be easy to now say, I belong to Joe, and I belong to Kamala. No, the title of Messiah has already been taken. So we ask for the wisdom and courage to remember to whom we really belong so that we might be known not as loyal partisan lackeys, but as faithful politicos for Jesus and move this nation towards your justice and love. There is too much rebuilding to be done to waste time with misplaced worship when we should be working towards thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We pray in the name of Jesus who showed us how. Amen. The sermon this morning comes from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, 
and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Luke's version is my preferred retelling of Jesus calling the disciples. I say preferred because there are a couple of other options, of course, with the other Gospels, and all of those versions make me feel, well, as the preacher Fred Craddock once said, as about as spiritual as a turnip. You know what I mean, right? The Gospel of Mark races through the ministry of John, the baptism of Jesus, the temptation in the wilderness, and the announcement of the Gospel of the kingdom drawn near. By verse 16 of the first chapter, Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee, saying to Simon, later known as Peter, and Andrew, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And the ridiculous part is that they just do it. And immediately, they left their nets and followed him. I mean, what a bunch of undiscerning weirdos. Where is your stranger danger radar, guys? While we know who Jesus is, they didn't. But the text makes it sound like they had some kind of finely tuned spiritual honing device that drew them to Jesus like moths to a flame. The Gospel of Matthew is basically the same. Jesus finishes the 40 days in the wilderness, starts proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near, and then repeats the story we find in Mark. Follow me, Simon, Andrew, James, and John, and I will make you fish for people. And again, immediately they left their nets and followed him. I mean, they just up and leave everything, and everybody walked away from their livelihoods and obligations and rode off into the sunset with Jesus. The Gospel of John is only slightly better. The disciples are still called in just the first chapter, but they reportedly have heard Jesus preach and had a conversation with him before abandoning all responsibilities to become Jesus groupies. But still, the story is characterized by the immediate trust of the disciples. It's really quite annoying, don't you think? I mean, how are we supposed to live up to that? 
Basically, it makes the rest of us look like a bunch of hesitating, lily-livered, lukewarm followers of Jesus. But, praise the Lord, Luke cuts us all a break. In this retelling of the call of the disciples, there is no immediate response to Jesus, who has been at the work long enough for them to know about Jesus' reputation for Jesus had begun to attract crowds with his teaching and preaching. And the boys have had a chance to hear this man teach and preach. But it was more than just that. In fact, Jesus had actually been to Simon Peter's house. Simon Peter invited him there before he showed up on the shore asking Peter to use his boat for a preaching expedition. In chapter 4, Jesus had crashed on Simon Peter's couch and ate his food, and then while Jesus was there, he not only healed Peter's mother-in-law, but also, as the text says, all those who were sick with various kinds of diseases, and he laid hands on them and cured them. And he just, then Jesus went into quarantine. Kidding. I mean, sort of. The text does tell us that after he had finished caring for such a large crowd, he departed and went into a deserted place. But after that, we are told that the crowds seek him out, and he teaches in the synagogues across Judea. The text then moves us into the story we read today. So let's take a moment to appreciate that in Luke's story, the disciples are reasonable. They do not immediately drop their nets and follow him. No, 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 no. There are mouths to feed and bills to pay. They still have more questions. They are not quite ready to commit, but they are thinking about it. And perhaps this is why Simon Peter is willing to let Jesus use his fishing boat at a, as a floating pulpit. These men have heard Jesus say a few things that resonate, even if they aren't quite ready to give up their day jobs. But anyone serious about fishing knows that fishing is not just a day job, it's a night job. Our story tells us that this has been a particularly unsuccessful night shift. So it must have been a bit of an imposition when Jesus got into the boat and asked Peter to take it out a little way from the shore. And because no good deed goes unpunished, after Peter has let Jesus commandeer his boat, Jesus offers him some unsolicited advice. Jesus tells Simon Peter to put out into the deep water and let down his nets for a catch, which doesn't exactly set well with the professional fisherman. Understandably, Peter pushes back a little, saying, we have worked all night, but have caught nothing. But to Peter's credit, he does what Jesus suggests, goes out into deep water, and lets down the nets for a catch. The results are overwhelming, both physically and spiritually, for Peter fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. After 
Peter has this bit of a breakdown and Jesus reminds him that he isn't called because he's qualified, he's qualified because he's called. It is then that they left everything and followed him. What a story for the church today. Like Peter, some of us have been considering following Jesus for some time. I mean, I'm talking to those of us who are cradle Christians in church every time the doors are open, have served on every committee three times and sing in the choir. We have been vetting Jesus our entire lives. We've heard his teaching and preaching. Some of us may have even had the experience of inviting him to stay in our hearts. But that's different, of course, than taking Jesus seriously. And it's true, too, for those of us who refuse the label Christian because, you know, we're not that kind of Christian. The spiritual but not religious crowd knows exactly who we're not, even if we don't know who we are. A non-identity identity that conveniently comes with no accountability. Either way, we're just not quite ready to give up our day jobs as good little Christians and non-Christians. We're happy to quote Martin Luther King Jr., but putting out the Black Lives Matter banner on the church lawn might look tacky. We're comfortable with praying for the poor, but, but community organizing for economic justice? That'll get our hands dirty. Flipping tables was fine for Jesus, but that won't go over well at Rotary. I mean, to be fair, the road Jesus walked led to the cross, but quite frankly, I'm not sure that's the kind of sacrifice any of us are actually worried about. And then there's the whole matter of going off the deep end. Can you hear Jesus say to us, like he said to Peter, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch? To go off the deep end is to lose control. It is to step out of our comfort zone, to relinquish our death grip on doing things how we've always done them, to claw our way out of the rut of tired ways of thinking. It is to lose sight of the shoreline. There is a temptation in this particular moment, I think, to stick ever close to the shoreline. We have been through some things, especially the last year with the pandemic. We'd like for everything to just settle down. As Peter said, we have worked all night long. The narrative we're hearing and maybe even said to ourselves is that we don't have the money, we don't have the space, we don't have the people, but how will we get there if we don't put out in deep waters. Perhaps we have been splashing around in the shallow end of all are welcome, but what might come from being loudly and proudly open and affirming of God's queer beloveds? Or perhaps Perhaps we already have too many volunteers, too many people who are faithful stewards of their time and money, and, and too many loving families to do that. Or, or perhaps we have been wading in the waters of book studies and earnest discussion groups. 
But what might we upend if we finally dive into anti-racism practices? Our feet can still touch the bottom, so we have some ground to go before we start making waves about racial reconciliation. And perhaps we have been splashing around charity, sprinkling our benevolence on people we deem worthy. But the deep water is organizing for prison reform, immigration justice, and a living wage. There are a thousand, perhaps, scenarios before us. There are also a thousand excuses of why we can't. We don't have the money, we don't have the space, we don't have the people. But again, what if that deep water is where we'll find all of the things we don't think are available to us? Our story tells us that we are missing out on the abundance of God by staying close to the shoreline. Put out into deep water, Jesus says, and let down your nets for a catch. So church, it's time to get rowing. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are currently online only, premiering at 11 a.m. on Mayflower's Facebook page. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.